Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit on God Amen. We will continue our Bible study tonight from Psalm 44 starting from verse 17. This psalm actually the people felt they are abandoned by God although they never disobeyed God they never drifted away from him but they feel they were abandoned by God although they heard from their fathers that God actually always always he stood with his people so they were wondering why God abandoned them and why God did not actually rescue them from their enemies but rather he delivered them to their enemies so in verse 17 after in the first 16 verse they explained their misery and how they were delivered to their enemies in verse 17 they say all this has come upon us but we have not forgotten you nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant so the psalmist here felt compelled to tell God that despite the feeling they had been forsaken and abandoned by God but they had not departed from him they remembered him and they remained faithful to his covenant so the psalmist claims that Israel had not turned away from her loyalty to God which actually is a lesson for us that sincere believers should not forget their God even during the time of hardships and suffering Israel kept themselves from apostasy falling away from God from idolatry despite what they have encountered from their enemies so the psalmist strongly emphasizes his complaint by maintaining that the adversities from which they were suffering have not come upon the people through any fault of their own it is not due to their sins or their shortcoming or they drifted away from God and here the psalmist what he was saying he said it honestly and not self-righteously and the psalmist makes the case of their present distress present distress of Israel was not due to unaddressed sin in their life or rebellion against God and the actions of the Lord in handing his people over to defeat and not going with their armies and giving them over to their enemies is simply rather unexpected because they did not fall away from God so they don't understand why God delivered them to their enemies in the light of these things not being the result of sin in verse 18 he continues and says our heart has not turned back nor have our steps departed from your way so again he is repeating that they have not turned away from serving God they have not fallen away from him they have not fallen into idolatry worshiping idol and he said nor have our steps departed from your way they had not departed from the path given by God and his commandments and why he said after he said our hearts had not turned back 
He said, our steps departed not from your way. Many times we pretend the sincerity of heart, which actually men cannot discern nor deny. But to prove the sincerity of their hearts, he actually emphasized the blamelessness and righteousness of their lives and action. So as if he is saying to God, the proof that our hearts did not or has not turned it back, that our steps did not depart from your way. So they were faithful in their heart as well as they were faithful in their life. So in a polite but a firm protest, the psalmist insisted that Israel's faithfulness to God had been answered by calamity sent by God. They were faithful, but God actually delivered them to their enemies. As he says in verse 19, But in spite of our faithfulness, but you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. So he is saying, although we are completely crushed and made desolate and driven as it were, to associate with creatures like jackals which haunt deserted ruins yet Israel remained faithful what did he mean by the place of jackals that's actually an expression for a scene of ruin and desolation and it is used several times in the Bible like in Isaiah 13 34 Jeremiah 9 Jeremiah 10 so it is a waste wilderness occupied only by wild beasts. So the psalmist is telling God that by inflicting upon them one defeat after another, he has at last brought them to this state that they have become like a place extremely desolate. These places that they are loved by the jackals and therefore these places full of horror and danger. In verse 20, he says, If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the hearts. As if he is saying, if we forget God or worship idols, God actually would search this. He knows the secrets of the hearts. So here the psalmist continued to insist that Israel had remained faithful. If Israel had forgotten the true God or fallen away to the worship of false or stranger, strange gods, idols, then her defeat against her foreign enemies would have been fully accounted for. But they had remembered the Lord and had not prayed to idols. If this had been the case, it would be known to God and there was no use in denying it. So if they drifted away, or if they forgot the name of the Lord, or if they worshiped idol, actually God would know this because he searches the secrets of hearts and they cannot deny it before God. So one may observe here the belief that calamities were punishment for sin and that when the suffering occurred, and there had been no known wrongdoing, it's extraordinary. But this is wrong belief. Calamities are not because people are sinful or disobeyed God. 
There are actually six reasons for hardships and suffering. Number one, yes, it can be due to the wrongdoing of the people. If I did something wrong, I will suffer because. But there are other reasons. Number two, because we are living in a corrupted world. After the fall of Adam and Eve, the world became corrupted. That's why many people suffer just because we live in corrupted world. Number three, because of the attacks from Satan. Satan may attack the children of God, like the persecution that Satan starts against the church. Number four, it can be a discipline from God without doing anything wrong, like a father discipline his son or his daughter. For example, if a son or a daughter asked their parents for more toys and they have enough toys, they may say no to them. Not because they did something wrong, but because they don't want to spoil them. And the children perceive this as suffering. Number five, suffering can be because punishment for God. Like when you do something wrong, for example, if you get into a car accident, two things will happen. Number one, your car will be damaged. And number two, the police will give you tickets. So when we do something wrong, we may reap the outcome of our wrongdoing, plus God may punish us. And the purpose of punishment here is to repent and return back to Him. And the sixth reason, test of faith, like when God tested the faith of Abraham. So in Psalm 44, when they suffered all these calamities, the only reason in their mind calamities comes because of sin, wrongdoing. That's why the Psalms here was arguing with God. We did not do anything wrong. Why these calamities are coming upon us? And as the Psalmist said, if we did something wrong, you search us. St. Augustine commented about would not God search this out for he knows the secrets of the heart. St. Augustine says, yes, God knows, yet he searches them out. Then the question here, if he knows the secrets of the heart, why do the word shall not God search it out? Do they? God doesn't want to search them out if he knows the secrets of heart. St. Augustine answered, yes, he knows it in himself, but he searched it out for our sake. For it is for this reason God sometimes searches a thing out and speaks of that becoming known to himself which he is himself make, making known to you. He is speaking of his own work, not of his own knowledge. So St. Augustine say, yes, God knows the secrets of the heart, but when God searches things out, he searches them for our sake, not for him. For example, when he searched Abraham and tested his faith to show us the faithfulness of Abraham, and the obedience of Abraham. God already knows the obedience of Abraham. So this for our sake, not for the sake of his knowledge, he already knew. And also Abraham himself would benefit from this. So the test of faith also benefits Abraham himself and benefit uh, the people 
the believers. So the psalmist claimed that not only have they not been unfaithful to God, but they actually suffered as martyrs for his sake. As he said in verse 22, yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So he said, we are not only faithful to you, but we suffered as martyrs. And this verse, verse 22 from Psalm 44, was quoted by St. Paul in Romans 8:36. But St. Paul quoted to encourage the converts in view of the possibility that they might have to face even death for Christ's sake. There was persecution at that time. So St. Paul was encouraging the people to be ready to shed their blood for Christ's sake. Even in such terrible defeat and disgrace, none of this can separate us from the love of Christ. So even we will shed our blood for the sake of Christ, this will not separate us from the love of Christ. We will continue to love him. And we saw until our current time, the 20 martyrs of, uh, 21 martyrs of Libya, how they shed their blood because of their great love for Christ the King. People should not change their destiny as being more than conquerors in Him. So, because of our love to God, and we know that we are conquerors in Him, we will actually accept to shed our blood for the name of Christ. The martyrs suffered in faithfulness to God, and because of their faithfulness to God. So, this verse, verse 22, suggests that suffering may not be a punishment. As I told you in the sixth reason, one of the reasons attacks from Satan, diabolic warfare against the church. So suffering may not be a punishment to sin, but a spiritual fight effect. People may accept suffering and death for the sake of Christ just because Satan is attacking the church. So their suffering is not on account of our national sin. There is no national sin in Israel. They were faithful to God or because there is idolatry, they worship idol. But it is because they are worshippers of the true God for your sake, who are killed all day long, and they are therefore martyrs. St. John Chrysostom commented on this verse and said, while it is a great thing to persevere serving God and not to stray to another, it is much greater thing to maintain such love under the constant threat of death and the onset of daily risk. So he said, yes, people who love God, they may persevere in serving Him, but it is more honorable and more pleasing to God when actually we maintain such love under the threat of death or taking daily risk for the sake of Christ. And St. John Chrysostom explained why they said, for your sake, we are killed all day, for your sake. And he says, because we had the opportunity to challenge our alliance to God, to abandon the ancestral way of life and to be in safety. 
Each one had the opportunity to deny God. The 21 martyrs had the opportunity to deny God. So when they were killed, they were killed for the sake of God. But we chose instead of suffer, we chose instead to suffer ill treatment and preserve our patrimony rather than enjoy peace after abandoning our patrimony. So he's saying people chose to suffer ill treatment, even death, rather than denying God, rather than denying God. Verse 23, Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, don't cast us off forever. So the appeal to God is now made. The psalmist is appealing to God. After the case has been fully represented, God has always, as we read from verse 1 to 8, God has always previously maintained the cause of his people. He always gave them victory over their enemies, unless they had fallen away from God. But now God is acting otherwise. Now God allowing their enemies to triumph over his people. And there was no reason for his desertion of them. So now the psalmist had faith. If they call upon God, God will change his mind and will come to their help. So the appeal here is made briefly, but in most moving words. He said to God, Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? What does the psalmist mean by term awake, sleep, arise? We know that God doesn't sleep. St. John Chrysostom said, by the word sleep, the psalm refers to God's perseverance and long-suffering on us. We know that God neither slumbers nor sleeps, and his eyes are always open upon his people. And the psalmist does not really believe that God sleeps. He watches over us night and day. But sometimes he seems and is thought to be asleep. Like what? For example, when wicked men triumph over the righteous. So we say, is God sleeping? Here we are referring to his perseverance, his long suffering. Another example, when their judgment seems to delay the judgment of the wicked. Or when the saints are under painful afflictions and the Lord seems to disregard them and does not appear for their deliverance. So the sense was powerfully captured when the Lord Jesus Christ slept in the boat on the stormy Sea of Galilee and the disciples went to him and told him, Why are you sleeping? Why are you perishing? Verse 24, he said to him, Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? Why do you hide your face? As if he is saying, why do you turn away from us? Why you refuse to help us and leave us to this mercilessness, suffering? So here the psalmist is speaking with God using language of a man when we address one another. But this doesn't reflect a reverence or a respect to God, but the earnestness. So they are at crisis. 
That's why he's appealing to God to come and help them. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? Now in verse 25, he explaining why he is saying this. He says, our soul is bound down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. So the body and the soul of Israel were at a crisis point and in the dust of shame and defeat. The expression in verse 25 implies great affliction. Their hearts are low, as low can be, to the ground, as low as the dust beneath the soles of men's feet. They brought very low, humbled as it were to the earth, to the dust of the earth, so weakened that it has no strength in it. Also, they said, our body clings to the ground, like animals that are laying flat upon the earth and cannot rise. And a person who lies flat being defeated. Then the last verse, the psalmist said, Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Arise for your help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. So, the psalmist knows that God is the help of his people. He is the only one. God can help and does help when none else can. So, he is crying to God, arise for our help. It is a short but a complete inclusive prayer. To the point, clear, simple and urgent. Arise for our help. This reminds me of Peter when he was drowning and said, Lord, deliver me or save me. That's the shortest prayer in the Bible. Lord, save me. So, in this psalm, the psalmist has stated Israel's problem as clearly and strongly as possible. And we might expect the psalmist to be angry with God or to lose hope. But no, he showed his trust in God, even in his pain and in his disappointment. And he made his final appeal, not on basis of what Israel deserve, but for the sake of God's mercy. As he said, arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. He did not say, and redeem us because we walked righteously before you. Redeem us because we did not fall away from you. No. He said, redeem us for your mercy's sake. So although they are aware of their sincerity, loyalty, and how they worship God and serve Him, yet they plead and expect this blessing of deliverance only upon God's free and rich mercy. And St. John Chrysostom says, Do you see the humility and contrite heart of Israel here? On what grounds do they appear to be saved? On what grounds? On the ground of the loving kindness, mercies of God, as though deprived of good deeds, as if they don't have any good deeds. So they say, according to your mercies, O Lord, as though not having any claim on salvation, despite being in a position to take pride in so many troubles and dangers, they remained faithful in the midst of all this tribulation. But they referred everything to God, to his mercies, to his loving kindness. So St. John Chrysostom says, let us too, living in the age of grace, 
imitate them and offer up glory to God to whom be the glory for the age of ages. That is the end of Psalm 44. Let me give a quick summary in Arabic. مزمور 44 المزمور ده بيتكلم على خبرة إسرائيل اللي يعرفوه عن ربنا إن ربنا دايما دايما واقف مع شعب وكان دايما بينقذهم لكن الخبرة وقت كتبت المزمور ده إن ربنا سلمهم لأيد أعدائهم من غير ما هم يعملوا حاجة فهم كانوا مش فاهمين ليه ربنا بيعمل كده ليه ربنا متباعد عنهم ليه ربنا سلمهم للضيق ففي آية 17 يقول هذا كله كل الدقات دي جاء علينا وما نسيناه ولا خلنا في عهدك يعني يا رب كل الدقات دي جت علينا وبالرغم من الدقات كلها احنا يا رب ما سبناكش ما رحناش نعبد لها ما عملناش زي جدودنا لما موسى تأخر فوق الجبل عملنا عجل دهبي ومن دهب وعبدناه ولا خلنا يا رب العهد اللي انت قطعته معانا لكن عشنا ان معاك يا رب في امان ليه انت سيبنا وليه انت نسيتنا لم يرتد قلبنا الى وراء ولا مالت خطوتنا عن طريقه قالوا له يا رب ما سبناش وصاياك وقلبنا ما ارتدش الى وراء لم ننكرك بل ما زلنا يا رب امناء معاك هو هنا ما بيتكلمش الكلام ده عن بر ذاتي لكن بيتكلم عن حقيقة ان هم فعلا ما بعدوش عن ربنا هم فعلا في الوقت ده ما تركوش وصية ربنا كأم فهم بيقولوا له ليه يا رب عملت معانا كده حتى سحقتنا في مكان التنانين وغطيتنا بظل الموت سمحت لينا يا رب ان احنا نتكسر بأيد أعدائنا وننهزم بأيد أعدائنا أرضنا بقت خربة زي الأماكن الخربة اللي بتعيش فيها التنانين وبقينا رب في حكم الموتة غطيتنا بزل الموت فإحنا بلادنا بقت خربة وعيشنا يا رب أكننا موتة بعدين يكمل يقول إن نسينا اسم إلهنا أو بسطنا إيدينا إلى إله غريب أفلا يفحص الله عن هذا لأنه يعرف خفيات القلب فبيقول طيب لو احنا كنا نسينا اسم ربنا او رحنا عبادنا اله غريب كنا نقول اه هو ده السبب زي ما ربنا خلى اسرائيل تنهزم امام عاي المدينة الصغيرة بعد ما انتصروا امام اريحة وكان السبب ربنا قال لهم في وسطك حرام يا اسرائيل فهنا كان في سبب لكن احنا ما نسيناش اسم ربنا ولا بسطنا ايدينا الى اله غريب وإحنا لو كنا عملنا كده هي دي كان حاجة تستخب عن ربنا ده ربنا عارف خفيات القلب ربنا عارف خفيات القلب بس قديس أغسطينوس وقف أمام كلمة أفلا يفحص الله عن هذا يعني المزمور بيقول لو إحنا كنا نسينا اسم ربنا أو عبدنا إله غريب ربنا كان هيتحقق من هذا الأمر فقديس أغسطينوس قلت طب ربنا بيعرف ده بيعرف خفيات القلب طب ليه يفحص ليه يتحقق ففي سببين السبب الأولاني من أجلنا إحنا علشان يعلن بر إسرائيل لينا إحنا أو بر الشخص ده أو بر الإنسان ده لينا 
زي ربنا مثلا لما اختبر إبراهيم وربنا ما كانش عارف إيمان إبراهيم ربنا ديفنت كان عارف إيمان إبراهيم لكن لما ربنا اختبر إيمانه عشان يعلي الإيمان إبراهيم لينا فنتمثل بإبراهيم ونمشي في خطوات إبراهيم والسبب الثاني لتسكية إبراهيم نفسه يعني إبراهيم خد خبرة عن ربنا بعد التجربة دي روح قدم ابنك إسحاق وبعدين ربنا فوق جبل فروم نوير يجيب له كبش يقدمه ويفدي ابنه فديا خلت إبراهيم يختبر أكتر وأكتر ربنا عارفين زي الضيقة اللي مر بيها أيوب وقال له بسمع الأذن كنت أسمع عنك أما الآن فرأتك عيناي بس المزمور ده كله مبني على افتراض الافتراض إن الضيقات والألام بتيجي للإنسان بسبب خطايا هو حقيقي الضيقات ممكن تيجي للإنسان بسبب خطايا بس مش هو ده السبب الوحيد مش ده السبب الوحيد يعني يوسف الصديق كان عمل ايه علشان حياته كلها يبقى فيها دقات في ست اسباب للدقات السبب الاولاني ناس خطايا الانسان نفسه والسبب الثاني تاديب من الله على خطايا الانسان بشبهها زي مثلا واحد بيسوق باهمال فيعمل حادثه فحاجتين يحصل العربيه بتاعته تتكسر وبعدين يجي البوليس يديله تكت فهما في حاجتين هنا حصل بس التكت ده هدفه ايه ان في المستقبل يسوق كويس فربنا لما بيقدم الانسان بيقدمه من اجل مصلحته سبب التالت فساد العالم احنا عايشين في عالم فسد من وقت سقوط ادم وحواء علشان كده الانسان ممكن يعاني لان احنا عايشين في عالم فاسد السبب الرابع بسبب حروب الشيطان الشيطان بيحارب الكنيسة وبيحارب ولاد ربنا زي عصور الانتهاب فده سبب ممكن يخلي الإنسان يمر الضيق سبب الخامس التهذيب التهذيب يعني زي أب بيهذب ابنه يجي أب يقول لابنه لا مش هتعمل كذا هو لا لا تعملش حاجة غلط بس هو بيعلمه بيهذبه بيقول له ده غلط وده صح فربنا أحيانا يهذبنا وفي التهذيب ده احنا عملناش حاجة غلط بس احنا بنحس ان اكننا في ضيق واخر سبب اختبار الايمان زي ما ربنا اختبر ايمان ابراهيم واختبر ايمان ارملت سيرة صيدة لما بعت لها ايليا وايليا قال لها اعملي لي كعكة اولا فمشكلة المزمور ده انهم حاطين سبب واحد للضيق اللي هو خطيانا طب احنا مغلطناش ربنا ليه بقى سامح بالضيق ده بس هو لو كانوا فاهمين ان الضيق له أسباب كتيرة ما كانش يعاتب ربنا بالطريقة دي بعدين بيكمل في آية 22 عايز يوصف قد إيه هم وصلوا في مزلة في الدقات بتاعتهم فبيقول له لأننا من أجلك نمات اليوم كله إحنا يا رب كل اليوم بنموت من أجلك لقد حسبنا مثل غنم للذبح زي غنم جمعوه كده عشان يذبحوه الآية دي نقتبسها بولس الرسول في روميا صح 8 هنا في مزمور 44 الآية دي بتعبر على حالتهم على البؤس اللي هم وصلوا له تحت يد الأعداء في روميا صح 8 بولس الرسول كان بيتكلم على إزاي الإنسان بيحتمل من أجل الله لأنه بيحب ربنا فمين هيفصلنا عن محبة المسيح لا شدة ولا ضيق ولا موت فبولس كان بيقول لهم لما احنا لان احنا بنحب ربنا حتى الموت مش هيرهبنا ده احنا من قبل ربنا نموت كل النهار 
حسبنا مثل غنم للذبح فكان بيقولهم دي عشان يشجحهم القديس يوحنا ذهبي الفم بيقول ليه أنا في المزمور قال لأننا من أجلك قال لي أنهم كان في إمكانهم أنهم ينكروا ربنا وكان في إمكانهم أن يعبدوا الأصنام لكنهم ما عملوش كده فهم احتملوا كل الدقات اللي جات عليهم لأنهم فضلوا أمنا لله ولم ينكروا الله لأننا من أجلك نمات اليوم كله قد حسبنا مثل غنم النزار فيرجع بقى آخر جزء في المزمور آخر أربع آيات يستنجد بربنا فيقول له استيقظ لماذا تتغافى يا رب انتبه لا ترفض إلى الأبد وقديس يحنى زابيل فهم يقول هو ربنا بينام ربنا ما بينامش ومال يعني إيه استيقظ فبقول فيه أوقات إحنا يتهيألنا أكأن ربنا نايم زي مثلا لما نبقى في ضيق الوقت طويل وربنا ما ينقذناش أو زي مثلا أن ربنا يتأخر في مجازات الأشرار أو زي مثلا طول أنات ربنا وصبره على الناس فأكن ربنا نايم وكتير مثلا لما كانت الكنيسة تمر بأيام صعبة تقول له فينك يا رب رب يعني قوم تنايم ولا إيه استيقظ لماذا تتغافى يا رب انتبه وبعدين بيقول له لا ترفض إلى الأبد طب خلاص يا رب لو أنت عايز تقدبنا حتى لو إحنا مش عارفين ليه بس ما يبقاش للأبد تعال وانقذنا إحنا تعبنا يا رب لماذا تحجب وجهك وتنسى مذلتنا وضيقنا ما تخبيش وجهك يا رب عننا اشرق بوجهك علينا لأن بنورك يا رب نعين النور ما تنساش المذلة والضيقة اللي إحنا مرينا بيها أنت عارف يا رب إحنا وصلنا لإيه؟ لأن أنفسنا منحنية إلى التراب يعني ما فيش حاجة أقل من كده يعني إحنا وصلنا إلى قمة القاع نفسي وصلت لتراب الأرض ولصقت في الأرض بطوننا عارف لما يكون مثلا حيوان رقد على الأرض ومش قادر يقوم إحنا كده يا رب بطوننا لسقت بالأرض يعني لو جم الأعداء هيلاقونا مستسلمين ليهم لكن يا رب ما تنسناش لا ترفضنا إلى الأبد قم معونا لنا مفيش حد يا رب هينقذنا غيرك أنت قوم وأعنا وافدنا من أجل رحمتك كلمة أفدنا من أجل رحمتك عجبت جدا القديس يوحنا زابيل فان بالرغم من آية 17 لآية 22 هما كانوا بيتكلموا إحنا يا رب ما نسناش اسمك ما رحناش لآلهة غريبة ما كسرناش ما خلناش العهد بتاعك ما حفظنا وصياك فما جاش هنا قال له وأفدنا من أجل برنا إفدنا يا رب من أجل أعمالنا الصالحة أنظر يا رب إلى أمانتنا معاك وفدنا لا قال له إفدنا من أجل رحمتك فيحنى زبيق الفم يقول أكأن هم ما عندهمش أي أعمال صالحة عشان كده لما بيقول ربنا إفدينا إنقذنا مش من أجل يا رب أي صلاح فينا إحنا أي صلاح فينا ده يعتبر صفر لكن يا رب إحنا طلبين رحمتك زي في القداس الإلهي لما ربنا لما أبونا يقول ويجازي كل واحد حسب أعماله كلنا نقول له يا رب كرحمتك يا رب ولاسك خطيانا ونقولش عشان أعملنا الصلحة ولا علشان تقوانا ولا عشان برنا نعرفين كل ده باطل إنما ويأبيل لرحمة ربنا 
كده ينتهي مزمور 44 لإلهنا المجد الدائم إلى الأبد آمين